0: You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host Robin Waits, the Fearless Business Coach. We are absolutely um, delighted to invite our guest on today and we were practicing Kim's name beforehand but Kim (laughs) Krause-Schwarm, the founder of Kim Krause-Schwarm uh, who is an A-list copywriter and copy mentor with extensive experience in the health and supplement niche. Before being a copywriter, she launched and ran the Healthy Direction Supplement business, growing it to more than $23 million. Oh, I'm going to dig into that. That's, that's a big number in sales within the first three years. So welcome to the show, Kim.
1: Oh, it's great to be here, Robin. Thank you for having me.
0: There's always a big debate about like what is copywriting. So whether it's like just writing blogs, but you and I come from the ilk of there's a lot more to it than that, Kim. So in your own words, uh, define or tell the audience about what it is that you do from a copywriting perspective.
1: Well, I think of copywriting as salesmanship in print, even though obviously most of it is being done online these days. And it's basically helping people get what they want. I mean, I feel like that's what marketing is about. But what I do is I basically do... What the the door-to-door salesman might have done, you know, 50 years ago or, you know, like I I develop a rapport with the customer. Every communication is a one-on-one conversation with them and, and I'm using persuasion to help them get what they want and show them why my product or service is helping them get that. And that's the most simplified way
0: I can think of it. It's interesting. You used the word persuasion in there because obviously copywriting is like good advertising copy is designed to create some kind of a movement, isn't it? You want want people to get uh, excited about whatever it is that you're writing about and then do something at the end of it. But persuasion has a bit of a potentially a negative connotation within it. So explain a little bit more about how you create that sort of that movement, that persuasion within copy.
1: Okay yes um, well yeah, you're absolutely right that especially with direct response copywriting, which is what I specialize in, it's always about getting them to take a desired action whether it's getting on somebody's list or you know becoming a lead or buying a product. And as far as the role that persuasion, Again, we're back to who am I writing to? What is keeping them up at night? What are their deepest hopes, fears and desires? You know, what, you know, what have they tried to solve their problem and hasn't worked before? You know, all these things that, you know, I dig that out and I get to really know who my avatar is, you know, and then I can speak to that person one on one. Right. And I can I can talk about their pain points. I can, you know, help them feel that I understand them and I'm talking to them. And then I bring in my solution and I demonstrate I start to overcome all the possible objections, you know, and like because, again, a lot of times, especially on the health and supplement niche, we are dealing with stubborn problems that are very difficult to solve. They may have tried many, many things that haven't worked before. So why they should they believe that this is going to work for them? And so that's where the persuasion comes in. And it's really a lot of it is proof and it's you know, having some substance to your arguments
0: really interesting because I think um, like what you've just described there and like, forgive me for being a heathen, but you and I are both in similar-ish kind of lines of work. I understand the value of marketing is kind of what I'm saying here, but a lot of new business owners kind of want, they want the moon on the stick and they want it now. And actually sitting down and understanding your client avatar and asking all of those amazing questions, which you just asked like the or invited the business owners to think about that they're, they're too busy like they doing like marketing activity and tweeting and linkedin and facebook and things like that they're too busy to think about those questions but you and i both know that they are like super important i mean you must have some great sort of case studies around where you've kind of got a business owner to stop what they were doing before think about those questions you just mentioned and then what the results are like afterwards
1: Right. Yeah, I think the most valuable thing you can do as a business owner, or if you're a marketing person or copywriter working within a company, is to take advantage of talking to your customer service people, listening in on phone calls, interviewing some of your uh, past customers, interview the ones that bought a second or third time, interview the ones that didn't buy again, you know, um, get to really know what's going on with these people. Even as a freelance copywriter, I have, uh, before starting on a project, I have interviewed anywhere from eight to, to a dozen people um, for a client um, who people have been repeat buyers of a particular supplement for example and i call them up and i just say this is kim and i'm calling on behalf of this company and i'm not selling anything i just want to ask you a few questions and it really helps me understand who this person is they can't always tell you most of the time they can't tell you why they bought something because they're like i don't know i got something in the mail or whatever but they can talk to you about what problems they've had. They can, sometimes you get amazing testimonials out of it, but more importantly, you get a picture, a crystal clear picture of here's this person. I mean, it's not meant to be quantitative research where you're interviewing 200 people, but you get, you talk to enough people, you start to get a picture of who these people are. You know, you kind of say, God, I'm writing to John now, you know, now I know John in Tennessee and he's buying this investment newsletter because I've also written for financial, you know, because he hasn't saved enough for retirement. and He's really hoping whatever, you know, whatever the situation is. And it just gives you this picture. I, I've also I interviewed women for a bone supplement promotion. I got the most amazing stories. Um, And I use these stories because I knew they would resonate with my target prospect, like, you know, going to the doctor and having them you know, scoff at them taking a supplement, you know, instead of a drug. And then when they went back six months later and had their bone density test and it had improved and the doctor's like, well, it must've been cause you moved on the table. Like literally just like gaslighting these women, you know, like, no, it's not that, you know and I knew women could relate to that, you know and then, then that really made this a very you know successful promotion but it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't done the research and talked to these women and really understood like this is gonna resonate.
0: And I think that's one of the biggest differences that a, a good copywriter. You know, if if there was such a thing as a bad copywriter, there probably are. But the if somebody, you know, if our audience listening are going out looking looking to find a a good direct response um, copywriter or advertiser, like, um, what sort of traits or things would you be saying that they should look for in 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 that person?
1: Curiosity is huge. You know, you want someone who's going to ask a lot of questions and want to, you know, drill down further. Um, I mean, especially like, for example, with supplements, Um, there's so many supplements out there. It's such a saturated market. And what I do is I, I really dig deep into the research and I find like, what is that amazing story, you know, study or claim that I can support, you know, and provide as, you know, proof. Um, It helps me decide, you know, what is the star ingredient, you know, maybe in this formula that I'm going to lead with. And, you know, So, you know, you want someone who's willing to dig deep and, you know, maybe it's not a supplement, maybe it's a financial newsletter, maybe it's a real estate investing product, who knows, you know, you want someone who's going to really be rigorous about doing the research, be curious, know what questions to ask and be able to have empathy as well, you know, because you don't have to be your prospect or your market right? You've got to become them. You know, I mean, I've written promotions about prostate supplements. I don't have a prostate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's like, I have to get into the head of that man, you know, that I even remember writing these, you know, some of these when I was first starting out, if, you know, as a 30-something woman, you know, writing to some 55-year-old man who's having a hard time making love to his wife, you know, or whatever it is, you know, so, you know, you got to have some empathy. You've got to respect your customer, you know, as, as David Ogilvy, I think, said, you know, the customer isn't a moron. She's your wife. You know, these are real people. And so you want to have respect for them. You want to understand them. You want to have empathy.
0: I think sometimes like, you know, because I, I could go and start a supplements business and I could start sort of writing my own copy. But the thing is, I'm likely to be far too attached to my own products to be able to kind of take that objective view. And I think that's where the real value of having a copywriter on board, Absolutely. somebody who's external to it, not emotionally attached to your products, you know, and probably even to, to um, quite often, um, you know, when I get other people to speak about fearless business, for example, they'll say something completely different to what I ever could have come up with to describe my own business. Yeah. So- I think
1: that's huge. Even for my own products, my copywriting products and services, I've hired other copywriters to write my own sales pages at times because they'll just bring in a whole different take maybe that I want. And they're really more the market because they're the ones buying it.
0: Well, and you believe in copywriting as well. Right. Because like the, the amount, how many times do you see coaches out there who don't have their own coach, you know, or a mentor like a, um, you know, a, a 21 stone fitness professional, you know, teaching other people how to lose weight and things like that. Like it, it just doesn't make sense, you know? So I'm really pleased to hear that you, you kind of take your own medicine as well and yes. um, get other copywriters to help you out.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I mean, any business too, like, you know, it, it helps so much to bring in outside talent, you know, and I think you can get very um, closed if you just, it's just you and maybe in-house people only doing your creative work, for example, you know, just getting some outside perspective. I feel like, you know, there's been a bit of a trend to bring more copywriters in-house or otherwise have them, you know, on retainer or 1099 relationships. And I, and I think A lot of times companies like that because they want that unfettered access to a copywriter and they wanna, it also allows them maybe not to always be as disciplined about planning, which is obviously not a good thing, but it's like, it allows them to like, maybe change their mind 50 times a minute or whatever, you know, and the copywriter's there and they have to do it. If you were dealing with a freelancer, it would be like, okay, that's gonna be another $50 an hour or whatever, $100 an hour upcharge or whatever. So I think that, um, you know, you get people who just, Get into a rut almost with their ideas, even if they're really good people. And I think you just bring some fresh thinking when you bring people who are also, especially when they're dealing with other companies in your niche. You know, they can bring some new perspective.
0: Slightly random question here, but so you did the um, the campaign which went, you know, ran sort of twenty to twenty three million dollars in sales. So, um, do you mind me asking? And you don't, you can say no, actually, Rob and Bogoff. I don't want to speak about this, but. Um, <laughs> Do you mind me asking? Did you have skin in the game when you kind of um, like did that that campaign? Um, so in so terms that wasn't of like a, exactly. one
1: campaign. That was an actual business launch, and that okay. was quite a while ago. It was- few decades ago I was actually an employee at the time for a major publisher and this is going to make me sound very very old but um, you know it was like one of the first supplement businesses actually it was the first one that a publisher had launched and that has now become over the years a very big common thing in the U.S. where now a lot of the more traditional publishers their supplement businesses are bigger than their publishing but um, yeah so we had the first alternative health newsletter that had just taken off in the U.S. and this was back in the early 90s. And I had joined the company right after that. And what we found is, you know, we were doing all this back end. What do they want to buy? What's in this alternative health space? You know, let's sell them this or that. What we found is that they just, and this is again, listen to your customers, right? Listen to them. What we kept, and I would read customer letters all the time that would come in, like, what are the subscribers saying? And they wanted to take Dr. Whitaker's own formulas. And they knew that he had his own, one that he gave patients at his clinic, And so we basically decided we're going to launch a supplement business and everybody thought it was crazy at the time like wait you're a publisher you know and no one else really in the company wanted to do it but they asked me to do it and be like the marketing director and i'm like okay let me do it i've only been there like six months and within like two three months we got the whole thing up and running we had like some core products that we sold and and coming from a subscription-based business Right from the beginning, we were thinking, you know, it was like, okay, how are you going to get that second order? How are you going to get that third order? What are you going to, you know, sell them next? And blah, blah, blah. Like thinking of it like you would someone subscribing to a publication, right? And again, this is another lesson I learned and I've seen throughout the years is so many companies are just so focused on getting that first order, that first order, that new customer. And they don't think about what are you going to do next? How are you going to build that lifetime value? Right, and especially when it's a consumable product. So right out of the gate, we had everything fleshed out, all the follow-ups, how we're going to, you know, get them on an auto ship, whatever it was. And, and that's what really helped that grow so quickly. And then at the same time, we added more products. But within three years, it was 23 million, which is 38 million in today's dollars. Wow. And that was just going to the one list, about 300,000 people on his subscriber list. And that was before they started taking it, you know, to outside list, et cetera. So, um, and it, uh, so much of that was focusing on listening to giving people what they want, and then thinking about the longer term view, not just getting that initial sale.
0: Do you, um, quick question, do you, do you feel, cause obviously that is like in a very super specific, um, niche in its own right. So yeah. do you feel as a copywriter, it's important to like niche, niche, uh, or do you think, um, do you think you can write for anybody?
1: Well, I think I could write for anybody. I mean, I've been doing this long enough and I have written a pretty wide range of things. I mean, all in the B2C space, you know, business to consumer, um, I think there is a point where it makes sense to niche. I think initially, I don't think you have to worry about it. I mean, let's face it. Like if you're just getting started, you're going to be like, well, I really want to do supplements and then something's going to come along. Are you going to just turn it away if you don't have any work like for the next three months? No, you might as well take it on. And honestly, I took just a whole bunch of different types of projects initially. I mean, a lot of people wanted to hire me to do supplements because I, I had left the company where I, you know, launched the supplement business. And so I already had a reputation for that, but I mean, I did fundraising things for museums. I did something called a space bag. I, you know, like what's where, you know, something you fold your clothes in and flatten it or, you know, I had, I mean, I, I wrote, Copy for so many different types of things, and I think it was a really great training ground. I think it made me more versatile as a copywriter, and just being able to jump in. Okay, what I need to know about this? What's the market? Who's the customer? What's so unique about this product? Boom, you know. Let me, you know, and that those are great skills to develop. You know, so I think actually I would say. You know, work on a wide range of things. And then after time, after several years, it was like I was mostly doing mostly health and financial. And then it got to the point where it's like hardly ever doing any financial when i had a financial project come along i'd have to be like oh my god what's going on in the market what do i need to do you know like it was like too much time to get restarted so i was like i'm just going to stick to health and supplements you know and uh that was right before the 2008 financial crash and i was like "Ooh, that was smart because you know a lot of people writing in that niche were like weren't getting projects and you know it was was a good time to get out i wish i had done it with my portfolio but oh well (laughs)
0: <laughs> Maybe we'll save that for another podcast episode. Yeah, Kim, but <laughs> yeah I found that. So.
1: That's the KSA well, we, investor, well, sure. Okay.
0: You, you touched on something really important there about um, sort of uh, this concept of getting funded, like when you're first starting out, not just in um, copywriting, but in any business here around sort of what jobs you choose to take on. Because my, my bag, I don't know if you know, Kim, is all about sort of pricing. So helping business yeah. owners to confidently yeah. charge more. And what, what we see is um, a lot of people kind of do you know one of the biggest challenges is like do they niche like and if you go too narrow too soon um it can be quite sort of um detrimental especially from a cash flow perspective if you don't have like the case studies and reviews and testimonials behind you.
1: Yeah absolutely and you know the thing is I I always I think I always was pretty good about charging well you know on the mid to higher range even because I came out of a company that was pretty respected in the industry. Um, but Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of things people struggle with. And, you know, I think that you don't necessarily have to be in a niche or specialty to be able to charge more, but you do need to be able to have some proof of results and have some samples that look good. And for example, I wanted to break into the higher paying long form copy. Um, you know, MAGA logs at the time, direct mail, you know, which now eventually are now like sales pages and video sales letters and that kind of thing. Um, So the first couple of years, I was mostly just, like I said, I was writing a wide range of things, mostly short copy, flat fee, you know, getting some decent flat fees. But what I wanted to do is get to the point where I could start charging royalties, which is something that's very common in the US with long form copy. And so I had to really break into that. And it, Took working with one client and finally convincing him, hey, you know, have you ever tried a magalog? Let me write a magalog for you. And I charged him, you know, like a, a, a fairly low flat fee. And then... I had a sample. I just had the one sample, but then I had another potential client contact me and say, hey, have you written any megalos? I'm like, well, here you go. I got one of these, right? Next thing I know, I was able to charge three times as much and get a royalty. I ended up writing a promo that on the second tribe, because we had to do some reworking, um, it w- was a control for almost 10 years and made me at least one hundred fifty dollars to $200,000 in royalties. Wow. So, But all it took was getting that one sample to open that door.
0: So you know, it's, it, it's amazing how often, cause obviously you and I hang out with lots of copywriters and, and sort of marketeers and, and, and in this sort of space. And one of my mentors actually, he, um, just before, uh, or sorry, just after we met, he ended up um, getting onto the Agora training team. So he was a brilliant copywriter in his own right, um, right. doing sales letters normally. Um, and eventually got picked up by Agora to go out and train all of their copywriting teams across the world. But, um, remember him telling me one a story sort of fairly early on that he used to charge sort of 5,000 bucks to write a two-page sales letter. And then this guy came along who was a bit of a, bit of a dickhead, basically a bit of an idiot um, and was like, I need it tomorrow and, and it needs to be perfect and it needs to do this, this and this. And, um, and, and my mentor had to push some work aside and didn't really want the project. So he said, oh, to hell with it. It'll be $50,000 and 0.25% of the commission. So, and the guy said, yes.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> right, so, so, yeah.
0: um, so first and foremost, my mentor never charged less than $50,000, again, for a two-page sales letter. That was the first yeah. thing. The second thing is, because it was in um, supplements as well, uh, it was for a pharma business actually. Um, so he never worked for any other business after that, apart from pharma companies, pharmaceutical companies. And then um, the third thing was that launch ended up doing $400 million in the first 12 months. Wow, that's incredible. So 0.25% doesn't sound like a lot, but multiplied right. by 400 million. I mean, that's the big, fairly sizable chunk of change. And again, that
1: is pretty sizable. Absolutely. But yeah. but he learned
0: a very valuable lesson. So this guy um, tried to henpeck him and said, I want a guaranteed return on investment. Okay. Um, and what, so what's your money back guarantee on this? So my mentor said, um, provided you don't change any words or any of the punctuation or any of the layout, you, you send this out exactly as it is. Um, you know, you, you, that's my money back guarantee. Basically don't change a thing. This is how much I reckon it will do. And I think he estimated it probably do 80 million or something like that. Um, the guy changed it. <sighs> It had a, a proper uh, sort of hockey stick curve, so slow burn. And the guy was panicking because it wasn't taking off. And then all of a sudden in the last sort of three months of the campaign, it all just all of a sudden skyrocketed. So this pop of pain in the ass customer knocking his door down, try, you know, trying to get his money back for this you know, for $50,000 and this 0.25%. And um, my mentor said, yeah, but you, you changed one word and you moved a, a comma to a fourth yeah. stop and put the sentence there. You don't get your money back, yeah. sorry.
1: yeah. Well, two things, one thing I, you know, I would never do a guarantee period. I mean, now if it's a client that I've been working with and we put something out there for, especially if it's like a a new product, right? You know, we might tweak some things to get it optimized and working better. Um, But, you know, there's so much, I mean, creative is really just 20%, right? You've heard the 40, 40, 20 rule. Yeah. And so 40% is the list, who it's going to, you know, 40% is the product, the offer, et cetera. And 20% is copy and design. So design is actually a factor in that too. And so, you know, it can be like this huge needle mover, especially in highly competitive markets. But if you have like, an unproven product, unless let say you're going to a completely different market or a totally new market, you know, like there's so many things that are like unknowns, right? And so you can't say, oh, it's the copy. So I would never, because I can't control all those other things and I can't control how they're going to, if they're going to change a word or how they're going to design something or they're going to do something that, you know what I mean? So I I just would not do a guarantee, period. I've never done that. And then the other thing, I just kind of back to my example of getting that one sample, getting some, you know, just getting some clients, get some work under your belt. You know, it could be a range of clients, could be maybe all in the same niche. I mean, obviously if you have worked in a particular field, like supplements like I did or investing, you know, it makes sense to immediately take some clients on in those niches because you'll be able to, you know, capitalize on your experience. But I call that climbing the copywriting ladder. And, you know, that's how you move forward in your copywriting career, your freelance career. It actually could mean Working for a company for a period of time that could be a huge part towards climbing the copywriting ladder. I mean, I had um, this one young man who was sort of like my apprentice, who I was mentoring maybe four years ago, and he just graduated from college and still living in his parents' basement. He was had done some supplement marketing, but he, you know, he reached out to me and he had some good copy skills. So I started giving him some work and helping me out with some things. And after about four or five months of this, I said to him, "You know, I you could keep." working with me and eventually I can maybe get you some projects here and there. But if you really want to like move this forward more quickly, I would suggest you go work at a company, you know, cause we, you know, he lived, we live within an hour of like, you know, all the Agora companies in Baltimore, there's other direct response companies in the area like angel publishing and others. And so, in healthy directions. And so I said, you know, I, I, and so anyway, I went on vacation and I came back and he's like, hey, I got a job over at one of the Agora companies, Money Map Press. So he worked there for like a year and a half. He learned, you know, got a lot of intensive experience writing copy, working with some really talented people. And then he ended up leaving and now he has his own publishing and supplement company. And, you know, that was, so all this happened like in four years, but he jump-started things substantially by working within a company where he just learned the ropes really quickly and also had, you know, obviously some time with me to begin with too. So that can be another way. So it's not just freelancing. You know, I've, I've heard this from so many other freelancers too, where sometimes just getting that time in-house as long as you don't sign your life away with a non-compete, you know, <laughs> Yeah. go off. I mean, I had the same situation where I had all this great experience at this major publisher and launching the supplement business and they wanted me to sign a non-compete. And I was like, Mm-mm-mm. and uh, I'm glad I didn't, because when I decided it was time to go freelance, I was, free.
0: was it scary at all going freelance? What was the most sort of fearless decision you think you've ever made in your business?
1: I think that was pretty fearless because I was it was nineteen ninety eight and I was making a hundred grand a year. um It was pretty good salary um and plus bonus and I had just had my first child. I had hired a full- time nanny and but i I went back and I found out i I just realized that I was getting mommy tracked and And I had thought in my mind about, you know, I'd worked with so many of the top freelance copywriters that we used to hire. And I was like, these people have so much earning potential and they can work like four or five hours a day and they can make, you know, three times as much money or four times as much money, right? And, and, I, and everybody always was telling me, you know, you're a really good copywriter, you're a really good copywriter. So even though I'd always been a marketer who knew how to write copy. So what I did is I used a retainer arrangement. Um, I found another supplement business nearby and I knew the guy who owned it and he wanted to bring me on just to help him with his marketing and copy, like maybe half time. And so, and what, what I charged him ended up being equivalent to 90% of my salary and only it would take half my time. And then almost right away, he referred me to another client and so, and then I, from there, I just kept getting referrals and finding other clients. So the first year I made 50% more and, and I was—I you know, kept my nanny. I still kept my like nine to five mentality. You know, it was very important to do that. And, you know, right from the beginning. And then within a few years, I was, you know, like these other copywriters and making significantly more money and got to the point I was working 20, 25 hours a week. And it was ideal. I mean, I did that for good 15, 18 years, or just strictly only writing copy and, maybe five or six big projects a year. And, you know, being only working like maybe from 9.30 AM till about 3 PM every day. And then the rest of the time I was mom and just doing my thing, you know, and it was just really ideal.
0: Nice. It sounds like the proper sort of lifestyle business, which I think is like everybody's ultimate sort of dream or goal. It's why we, why, why we get into business in the first place, isn't it?
1: Exactly. I mean, cause I just realized the corporate world was never going to offer that to me, no matter how talented I was, no matter what my achievements were, you know, and it, it's, what's great about, especially direct response copywriting is everything is measurable. You know, no one cares if you're, you know, you got pink hair, if you're black or if you're, you know, female or whatever, you know, it's like they're going to give you the opportunities. I mean, I do realize, though, I mean, sometimes getting those opportunities are hard sometimes, especially for people of color or other you know, minorities. But, you know, if you're working with the right businesses, you know, they're going to give you the shot, especially if they like your work. And then once you, you know, get results for them, I mean, you know, again, it's like the numbers don't lie you know, you go up against, I've, I've beaten some legendary copywriters, some legendary male copywriters early on in my career. And, you know, the numbers don't lie, you know, so that's what's great. It's so much better than sitting in a management meeting and getting
0: talked over. Oh, goodness. <laughs> 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 having <laughs> Someone take man- credit
1: for your idea,
0: right? E- even as a man having stuff mansplained to you, like in, yes. a, in a boring corporate environment, crikey. I, I mean, that's why I, I do what I do now. I mean, I've had an opportunity to um, to coach in some corporate you know big sort of seven eight figure nine figure even law firms and oh crikey I, i'm yeah. so glad i got out of that gig that's yeah, for sure.
1: exactly that you know, you see you know my husband well i don't know if it's a proper joke i don't know <laughs> it's a poop joke okay i'm gonna tell it but Go like on, my husband it. used to have this joke but you know management is like a septic tank <laughs> Yeah. The biggest, the biggest chunks rise to the top
0: <laughs> oh no <laughs>
1: I hope nobody's eating their lunch right now. <laughs> oh, but it's true. It is, and I really yeah. found this that it's just unfortunately the company I worked at for so many years was such a great company. And honestly, I just there was so much gamemanship and things going on, really talented people getting moved aside. And you know, it's it's like the art of war sometimes, you know, in the corporate world. And yeah, it's that's why so many good people just end up leaving and going
0: out on their own <laughs> It's man. Well, the thing is corporate, corporate land's loss is our game, Kim. So um, it, we're coming towards the end of the interview, unfortunately. So I'd okay, love to carry know, on. You
1: just packing. don't want me to tell another joke.
0: Well, the joke quote has been done. <laughs> 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 uh, no, we, 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 we've got to, we've, we've got to look to wrap things up. I've got a couple of questions actually though, cause you've got some really um, valuable gifts actually for the people watching and people listening on the podcast. I do. Um, so tell us, Tell us about what you're working on at the moment, how people can get in touch with you, if you may.
1: Okay, so... Probably the best thing to do is become one of my copy insiders and it doesn't cost any money. You can go to copyinsiders.com and that'll get you on my email list. And when you join my email list, you'll not only get my free um, weekly or every other week e-letter called Copy Insiders, you'll get some of my other great, wonderful emails and you'll get the A-list copywriter checklist, which is actually five checklists. And it includes a whole section on the research, the avatar questions, you know, that we were talking about early on, everything down to, you know, know, like just going through your promo and doing all the final checklists to make sure it's as strong as it can be. So it's a really great tool. And then you'll also get a seven-day mini course on creating successful promotions. And I talk about seven different steps to take. So you get all that when you go to copyinsiders.com. You can also go to kimschwamm.com And you'll find out about my different programs, you'll find out more about me and I also have a blog where I have just a ton of different past copy insiders issues and other things that you'll enjoy reading and podcast interviews etc so.
0: Amazing. Such a ton of value on there. So thank you for sharing that, Kim. And I'll oh, make sure welcome. that we um, include links to both copyinsiders.com and kimschwarm.com in the um, show notes as well. Don't forget to go and connect um, with Kim on LinkedIn. We'll share share a link to um, yes. Kim's LinkedIn profile too. Uh, right, I've got the final question, um, which I ask all of our guests on uh, the podcast. So brace hey, yourself, Kim. I'm we're gonna We're going to jump... Desk. <laughs> we're going to jump into the um, fearless business time machine um, and you, you get, to, it's a bit like the DeLorean on back to the future, but slightly oh, yeah. better and far fewer Iranians. Um, and we're going to rewind uh, the clock back to a date in your past. You get to select the dates um, and you're going to go and have a, um, a word with Kim uh, Krause-Schwam, T minus <laughs> X number of years. Um, when is it? And what would you say to her?
1: Um. I kind of wish that I had gotten into copywriting sooner, the freelance copywriting. I remember having a conversation with my father, unfortunately he had been diagnosed with prostate cancer and um, and it was at least a year or f- more, you know, before I did ultimately go freelance. And I remember him, I was feeling frustrated with some things with my job and he said, you know, maybe you should do that freelance copywriting thing. And I kind of wish I had just done it right then and there. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I just really miss my dad. So I don't know. That's, that was a, that was a conversation that just came to mind, you know, in the time machine. And, yeah. Well,
0: you know, I, I yeah. know that he's probably, I'm sure he's very proud of you. And it's interesting because I lost my dad seven years ago and I still think of him every day, but there's a part of me, which is like, dad's always sat on my shoulder. Cause he was, always he was like my biggest sort of advocate. He was my yes. hero. I feel like kind that of- with
1: my dad too.
0: Yeah so I know that he's there like cheering you on irrespective of whether you had that conversation then or not uh, or whether you took action then or not I don't think it makes I have always felt
1: that that he kind of knew that this is really where I needed to go and what's ironic is I have a funny story I'm not going to get into the whole thing but I remember my high school career fair when I went, um, I found out about marketing and what it was. And I told my parents when I got home and they were like, no, you don't want to do that. And they thought it was just sales and they didn't think it was a good career for women. And they really tried to talk me out of it. And and then here I am, you know, um, it's been a great career for me. And of course
0: my mom's still alive and she's like, yeah, I guess that worked out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so many When I first set up my business in 2000, my first business in 2004, um, I think it wasn't, it was probably less than a year after that, that my mom walked into the house and I was exasperated because of something a client, like a dumb client had just done. And she said, Oh, Robin, have you ever thought about going to get a proper job? And I was like, oh, just you know, and you just like yeah. dagger through the heart. That's just like killed all of my dreams and expectations of being an entrepreneur. But. I think also that's what gives you the metal, doesn't it? To kind of like carry on. <laughs>
1: it does. And you know what else too? It's why we all need each other so much. Like We need these communities and these Facebook groups and these things because we get each other and like no one else does, you know? I mean, it's really hard sometimes for people to understand it. I mean, I still have to tell people like my m- stepmother-in-law, or, you know, I'm actually, I work Monday through Friday. Like, it's like, they don't get it. Like I actually have a proper job, you know, <laughs> but they don't, they don't, you know, that no one understands it. They see me go out to the mailbox no my neighbors know what the hell i do you know <laughs> i mean you know like i don't have like the bank vice president title or whatever you know and yeah, i
0: just uh, i just come and sit out my office yeah. and put netflix and chill all day long like i call yeah, it that's, work, yeah but, that's yeah. all i
1: do yeah I just, <laughs> sure yeah i don't really work and then we just go pick money off the tree in the backyard and yeah absolutely you know the money, it's like the money tree yeah where do you think it comes from <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, or, or the best one. Oh, Kim, you just do writing. That's really easy, surely.
1: Were they like, you get copyrights, right? For products and companies? Like you get copyrights, like, yeah. I don't even know, like C O P Y R I G H T. Yes. I mean, how many times have we had to explain, no, copywriting.
0: Like, like writing w, stuff. Yeah. Writing
1: ads. <laughs> yes. So yes, I like hanging out with other copywriters because I know they get it. You know, they
0: hundred percent. Awesome. Kim, (laughs) listen, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking your time out to come on to the fearless business podcast. Oh, this
1: has Uh, been great. Great way to start the week. Thank you so much for having me on, Rob.
0: Oh, it's such a pleasure. I forget the morning where you are as well. So you can go and enjoy a a nice nice quiet lunch, uh, maybe with your family and then you can get in, dig into your Monday afternoon and, uh, go and pick some money off the money tree.
1: Yes, that's what we'll do. I think it's gonna clear up the skies. It'll be a good day to pick up pick the dollar bills, the hundred dollar bills off the tree.
0: Your safe stuff. Thank you, Kim.
1: Thank you, Robin. Good to see you.